You're listening to Building Bold Connections, a podcast where we explore the creative ways business leaders have solved professional challenges to gain success and build net worth from their network. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Troy Felder, Regional Senior Human Resources Business Partner with McKesson. Here is episode four of Building Bold Connections. Welcome to Building Bold Connections. I'm your host, Tyra Burton. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Troy Felder, Regional Senior Human Resource Business Partner with McKesson. Thank, welcome and thank you for joining us. Excellent. Thanks for having me so much, uh, Tyra. Really looking forward to our discussion. I can't wait because you have just the most amazing transition in terms of your career. You started in retail, but you ended up in HR. Can you tell us about that journey and that led you to that shift? Certainly. Um, a proud graduate of the University of South Carolina. Uh, started initially as a marketing major uh, at South Carolina. At that time, you had to also declare a minor. Okay. And so human resources, not sure how I stumbled upon it. Uh, that's what I declared. I enjoyed the coursework. It actually led to a double major. So I graduated with a, uh, a dual uh, bachelor's degree in marketing and human resources. And uh, it was a finance professor that also instilled in me the, the benefits of getting a graduate degree and uh, uh, and I knew that uh, I wanted to get that graduate degree in human resources. And so, you know, kind of fast forward trainee program uh, that I uh, actually secured before I even walked the stage at the University of South Carolina and then went on uh, to get my advanced degree in MBA and in, in, in HR management. But it, for me, it really was a matter of letting my leaders know, you know, because I worked for Sherwin-Williams Paint Company at the time right. uh, and my district manager really. Uh, volunteered and voluntold me for so many things outside of retail management, but it helped me build my career, build my resume, I should say, uh, to prepare me for that initial uh, opportunity in human resources. And it was with Sherwin Williams. It seems like you were mentored from like the very start. Can you talk about how important mentoring is and has been for your career? Uh, that's a great point. And it, and it is very important. Uh, it was important to my career. It's actually a, a big part of what I do now as a mentor. But as I think back to my time, uh, um, you know, uh, Mike Davis uh, was his name. Excuse me, Mike Porter uh, was his name. That was my, my mentor at that time. He actually gave me these opportunities around onboarding, around training, talent acquisition. I actually uh, would recruit for other stores. Uh, what he said, Troy, he said, I, I want them all. I want you to hire everybody for the entire district. They'll come through your store. They'll be there two or three months, and then we'll send them to someone else. And they'll, be, they'll be ready to do what they needed, but but mentorship is is so huge. And I think there's a difference between formal and informal mentorship. Yes, absolutely. Uh, because here at, at Kennesaw, uh, Kennesaw State University, uh, maybe it's gonna be at a Sherwin-Williams, they're gonna have a formal program for mentorship, but my connection with Mike was informal. There wasn't structure. We didn't meet every two weeks and have a set agenda. Uh, but when there were things that I wanted to discuss, I knew that I could ping him, well, there wasn't pinging then, but I knew that I could call him or text him uh, to, 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 to talk those things through outside of store operations, but more so about uh, leadership development. So somebody who's starting off in their career, how would you suggest they find that kind of informal mentorship? That's, that's a great question. It can be in, inside the organization like it was in my case, but oftentimes it could be uh, someone that you're looking for in terms of role, in terms of uh, experiences, uh, in terms of a career level. Uh, and so, you know, if you think about it from a student perspective, uh, you know, I would lean to uh, professors. 
again, I mentioned my finance professor, that really not only did she talk about uh, the the benefits of of getting an advanced degree and and having uh, one to two years of experience before going to get that degree, but she also talked about the benefits of having a uh, a, a a good mechanic and how much money that can save you. <laughs> Uh, in life because you can trust that that person is not going to try to get over on you. But in, in terms of seeking mentors, I think it's really important to make sure that you identify and connect with that person on a personal and professional level and also make it mutually beneficial. You shouldn't only reach out to that individual uh, when you have a question or concern. So ha- that really touches on how can you be a good mentee? Because obviously you were. Yes, it, it has to be uh, a rewarding. It has to be a two way street. Um, I think oftentimes I'm more inclined uh, to, to get closer to my mentees when they check in, when they don't have a question, right. uh, when they're not interested in an opportunity that I may be connected to. And so those are the things that I look for. So to be a good mentee, you have to, uh, one, show appreciation. You have to be present. You have to uh, seek advice and then act on that advice. Uh, I think it has to be demonstrated because then that mentor is, is going to want to continue to re- reciprocate that relationship when they understand that you're listening, uh, uh, synthesizing, and acting on the things that they have suggested. And I think that, that building of relationships is so important and such a part of HR. So can you tell us now, we're going to skip forward a little bit, what you're doing in your job as the Regional Senior Human Resource Business Partner at McKesson. What do you focus on there? Certainly. And, and so I, I always think back to the job posting uh, when I applied for the role next month will actually be three years that I've been in this position. Uh, the two key words that stuck out and still stay with me are impact and execution. And so I focus on those things, impact and ex- execution in specific areas around uh, talent development, strategy, culture, and engagement. And so again, coming straight from uh, that job posting, I I have long been an HR manager. I've been in HR 12 years now. uh, And I always, even though I didn't have the title of business partner, I've always felt that that was my uh, approach to human resources as opposed to being an HR manager. Uh, An HR manager uh, oversees policies and procedures I really try to build relationships uh, with my leaders uh, and then also uh, be uh, an advisor. And so I think that's the difference when you're, when you're able to focus in those areas of culture, strategy, uh, talent, as opposed to many of the other things that are uh, a part of human resources, safety, uh, payroll, compensation, uh, employee relations, et cetera. All those things are important. But at, uh, at McKesson, there are centers of excellence. There are other work streams where uh, I can hand those things off to individuals that specialize in those areas so that, again, I can maintain my focus and my strategic direction. So how important is culture when building a workforce, especially at McKesson? It's huge. Um, At McKesson, we have values um, uh, that we operate on. Uh, It's uh, I2 care and I lead. You know, I2 care is, is, is what we do in terms of our business. I lead is how we do it. Uh, And so when you're talking about culture, it's really important that those things drive uh, our business. It drives our decisions. uh, And we try to see it through every every lens and every opportunity that we have. And so as it relates to that, it really is important that our employees can see it. Again, I mentioned the word demonstrated. And so we try to demonstrate that culture in our decisions and our communications. Uh, again, because we want to be accountable, uh, we want to be developmental, we want to be um, um, uh, enterprise first in everything that we do. 
So if somebody is looking, you're looking at a new candidate, what are some of the aspects that you're looking for in that person? Uh, if, if you're talking about a new hire, when yeah. you say candidate, yes. And, and so it, it really has to be one that, again, demonstrates those um, uh, attributes um, and, and one that is willing to uh, also lead from that perspective. Um, and, and so it's really important for individuals to come into our organization being willing to work, um, being willing to uh, put our associates first. I often say that, yes, as a leader, I may be accountable uh, for certain aspects, uh, but it is our employees that are responsible. It, it could be just getting the business out. Uh, it could be uh, just uh, serving our customers uh, because there are so many of our frontline employees that are customer facing. Right. I am not. Uh, and so we want individuals that are going to be uh, genuine, uh, open, honest, candid, uh, but then also has that enterprise first, customer first mindset, uh, because those are the things that align with what we do. Well, and I think customer first is always a central focus. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times people don't think about their career and career planning. So for somebody who's starting out or maybe making a shift like you did, what are some things that you could suggest to them regarding building that career itself? It's, 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 it's important, and, and I think it's one thing that I speak to a lot as well when it comes to um, uh, my mentorship. I think it's really important that uh, an individual look at career planning, um, talent development as a two-way street. It's very similar to mentorship. You really have to come in with a mindset that uh, you can't just leave career management to the organization's uh, doing. You know, that, that's how it's referred to from the organizational perspective, career management. But then there's also a career planning that is the individual's responsibility. They have to take the onus. Uh, they have to make sure that uh, they come with an agenda. They know what their uh, target or uh, in-game role may look like. Okay. Uh, and then when you tie those two things together, uh, that goes to talent development, career management, career planning. Again, a two-way street. Talent development is how you actually um, uh, initiate what it is that you're asking for and then engage the organization right. to help you achieve it. Yeah, I think people don't often think about career planning as something that they really need to take ownership of. Mm -hmm. So as we've gone through this wonderful pandemic and really I think HR has changed so much, can you speak of what you see as some of the key things that really shifted during the last couple of years? That, that is a great question and, and, and shift is a, is a good word. Uh, I actually joined uh, McKesson uh, the week of what I call the pandemic shutdown. Uh, oh my. March 9th was my first day. That was a Monday. That Thursday yep. was voluntary work from home. Two weeks later, it was mandatory work from home. And for HR, there was a shift around, I think for us, maybe I was new to McKesson. So right. I, I felt like it was elevated there versus maybe some of my previous stops. But, but um, we were really pushed to the forefront even more so because there was a lot of policy, a lot of changes that had to be instituted against going back to I2 care, uh, uh, you know, our principles, we really Your took values. it from a, exactly. We, we took it from a perspective of airing on the side of the employee. So we okay. instituted, um, you know, emergency paid sick leave is, is what we ended up doing, you know, voluntarily, not, not through any, uh, you know, local or, or, or government mandate. And that really took, um, um, what, what I would refer to is it, 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 it took some control from our leaders, you know, our site leaders, because our employees, when they, they, they didn't have to be positive, when they felt like they were sick, they could take off and they'd get paid. 
and for our for our leaders that was that was a challenge again that was a shift for them but for hr we really had to um really embark down the path of emphasizing uh, empathetic leadership yep. uh and then again that that airing on the side of the employee because from a frontline perspective there was no work from home from our from our material handlers, right. our order pickers, our delivery professionals who go into primary care, long term care facilities on a daily basis. And so we really had to make sure that they were taken care for and, and supported. And that started with us supporting our leaders with that transition. Well, it seems like you really put your values first and put them into action. Exactly. It's been suggested that workers are redefining what success is uh, to include not only money and status, but also well-being. Um, how is your company addressing this and how do you see HR as a whole looking at that well-being aspect? Another good question. Uh, uh, well-being and belonging is, is uh, some hot topics. And I don't think they're more than just trendy uh, right now. They're, I think they're going to be here to stay. I agree with you. Uh, we, we've gone through a, a transition, a pivot from that perspective where a lot of uh, that uh, that control maybe in a different way has been taken back by by associates by uh, by our employees and I think in a lot of ways it's for their overall well-being they're placing values they've reassessed intrinsic versus extrinsic what's most beneficial and it's not it's no longer about uh, a title <clears throat> excuse me it's no longer about title it's no longer about um, uh, compensation even. It's more so about work-life balance, flexibility. Um, I want time with my my loved ones, and and this is one way to achieve it. Even if that means I need to step back in terms of my career, or maybe that's a, a, a lateral move to the side. And so, you know, those are the things that are changing. And from um, from uh, McKesson's perspective, we actually instituted what we refer to as flex for your day prior to COVID. Oh, and now so what flex is that? for your day. Not, you know, as a as an exempt employee, you know, if I have a doctor's appointment, uh, you know, I can carve out, you know, me here for this podcast. I can carve out some time in my day to be able and then I pick up the balance of my work in the evenings. Right. So I'm able to flex. But we instituted that also for our non-exempt population uh, so that when they have doctor's appointments, uh, they need to flex. They can come in early, stay late. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, trying to allow for them to have flexibility in setting their schedule and know uh, that it's not going to be any impact to them in terms of the business, but also in, in their take home pay. That's awesome that you're really, again, expressing the values in what you're actually putting forth. Certainly. So what other key trends do you see happening besides the idea of work life balance? You know, a lot of it, it ties into that because you have this, you know, I've seen it referred to as a great resignation, a great reevaluation yes. is the term that I've, I've, I've used a lot lately because folks are just reevaluating uh, their their status and, 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 and what really is important to them. It's not really about status. Uh, I'll never forget, you know, when I was responsible for an intern program, uh, when I worked for Genuine Parts Company, within that intern program, we would make offers at the end of the program, you know, you know, we may have 20 some odd interns, right. you know, you know, probably 50, 60 percent uh, would 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 turn over into FTEs. And I'll never forget making an offer to uh, a, a young man and he turned it down, even though we were offering more money. But it was because the other the other offer was a, a more senior title in his mind. Ah. And I, I guess for him, he wanted that title because it really wasn't about that first opportunity. It was about the next one. And so him having that title is what was going to help support him 
getting the better next title as opposed to the title that we were offering. Uh, again, despite our higher uh, offer from a comp standpoint. And so it was, I think those are the type of things that are also uh, shifting in these uh, days and times. And I think this model around uh, hybrid work versus remote, yes. you know, there was a time where uh, it was seen by a lot of senior leaders that if you weren't present, you weren't visible, it was perceived that you weren't working. Right. Uh, and so again, prior to COVID, there were models that I've seen where productivity, if not flat, actually increased when you went to a hybrid model. And I think that's been proven out even more so. And, uh, you know, it, it's, there are so many roles, again, outside of frontline, we can't, I can't decry the, the yeoman's work that a lot of our frontline uh, uh, folks have done over these last two to three years. But there are so many roles because it's really not about being present, it's about delivering quality work and it being on time. No, it's true. It's, I think, the, th the hardest part, though, is trying to still keep those networks going and still making those relationships. Mm. So how did you become? And I think you refer to yourself as a net weaver. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yes, yes. And and so that's a term that I actually stole from a from a colleague of mine. Uh, but I but I want to say uh, I, I first heard it uh, at a Sherm Atlanta event. I, I've been here in Atlanta uh, going on nine years and it was probably 2014, 2015. Uh, uh, I remember going to a, a conference, in-person conference, of course, and that word was, was shared. And for me, the difference is I network for myself, but I, then I net weave for others. Yes. And so again, I don't know if it's the, the, the passion around HR, the passion around mentorship. Um, I really enjoy connecting people to what it is that they're looking to achieve, whether that's another opportunity I know so many people that have tried to pivot into HR um, because that was my experience. Again, starting in retail management. Uh, again, probably at that same Sherm conference, I do remember hearing that 73% of current, at least at that time, it could be higher or lower now, at that time, 73% of current HR professionals did not start their careers in HR. Oh, wow. And so again, that pivot takes place it's from something. other functions. And so I tried to connect and support individuals that are trying to make a similar pivot, uh, or it could be the fact that they're underemployed, uh, unemployed, um, but whatever that is, I, I, I try to connect people. And when I am and when I am out and about, oh, oh, you have an open position for a role. Well, I know someone that's looking for a role. Uh, you know, they're looking to transition. They 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 just got laid off. Whatever the case may be. I always look to connect those dots. You're just always mentoring, aren't you? <laughs> always. I can feel it. Well, you're also the president and CEO of the Atlanta chapter of NAAAHR, which is the National Association of African Americans and Human Resources. How vital is that network and organization to someone's career? Well, well, I have to admit, as of as of this recording, I just transitioned <laughs> at the end of the month. Well, you're still, uh, we're still here, but so uh, immediate past president is is uh, is is my current role, but but I have actually been an active member of NAAAHR since uh, 2014. Uh, started uh, as a committee member, you know, in 2015 or so. Uh, became the the co vice president of the Plans and Professional Development uh, Committee, which was the committee I started on. That that committee is responsible for our programming, speakers, content. Uh, conferences uh, is what that uh, committee was responsible for. And then that led to me being SVP and then senior vice president and president uh, as of uh, of uh, March 2020. 
And so, um, you know, that role really goes back to that networking, that net weaving. That's really where I kind of polished a lot of that because, you know, maybe compared to some other uh, uh, other large associations, whatever they may be, um, uh, AAA HR was, was very intimate. We would actually incorporate time in our chapter meetings to network and you would get to know people outside of those just sitting at your table uh, at an event and you could stay connected to those individuals outside of the event. And so um, one of the best things that's happened to me is afforded me a lot of opportunity, a lot of exposure, uh, which is one thing that I share with my mentees that they really have to get uh, exposure and experiences outside of, of, of education in order to grow and develop. Uh, and so uh, HR has been very vital uh, in my uh, career development as well. Well, I think it's a great example of um, being an organization that's smaller instead of some of the bigger ones where you can really make uh, significant connections. Certainly. What organizations would you suggest for someone that's wanting to get involved in HR? Or maybe they're just trying to find out if this is right for them. What, uh, where would you suggest they go? Th that's a great one. And, and there's a lot of organizations that uh, not only I participate in personally, but as an organization in Triple HR, we actually partner with. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and, we, and first I'll say that Triple HR is a part of a national organization. And, and so we're the Atlanta chapter. Uh, um, but there, there are probably 20 plus chapters in, 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 in most of your, your metro, large metro areas. Uh, and so uh, NHR Atlanta has partnered very closely uh, with uh, ATD, which is the Association of Talent Development. Uh, you have Sherm Atlanta, which I've also referenced, which is Society of Human Resource Management. Again, the Atlanta chapter. That's the one you usually uh, hear about. Yes. I think. And, and that's the big one. I, I know we would always mm -hmm. say we don't want to be the best kept secret secret anymore as far as HR is concerned. But, uh, you know, Atlanta is the is the, is the more national brand, if you will. Um, and, and then the last organization uh, that I'll mention, you know, ATD also being a national organization. Is, uh, is Black in HR. Black in HR is, is another uh, uh, association that is growing, has a, a national footprint, and, and is one that we've partnered with uh, here uh, over the last two years or so. Uh, and, and really, Black in HR being more of a, a virtual um, okay. uh, entity, they partnered with us to also offer uh, in-person events, and, and that's really been a win-win. Oh, that's awesome because it will have a wider reach than just Atlanta. Exactly. So you're also involved with Black Excellence Be Empowered at McKesson, which mm -hmm. is an employee resource group. Why are employee resource groups such a good investment of someone's time? And, and you know, this is such a timely discussion because as a part of uh, uh, Black History Month, yes. uh, we actually um, have had some sessions around not only B. Um, but also uh, McKesson, when I joined, had nine ERGs. <laughs> my, my previous organization had zero. Well, I, maybe that's not true. <laughs> it, it, unofficially, they had two. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when I look at uh, the fact that Mc when I joined, McKesson had nine. And in the three years, we've actually launched three additional. Uh, wow. You know, one which is is just... I'd almost refer to it as non-denominational. Uh, non <laughs> <laughs> so it's not really specific to any area, but then we also launched one for Native Americans and, and indigenous peoples. Uh, and, um, and we launched a third one that I'm drawing a blank on, forgive me. Okay. Um, but with, with these ERGs, you have a safe space to uh, align with like-minded people, 
but then also hear diverse perspectives. Yes. Because ERGs, uh, you know, for those that may think they are exclusive, I actually believe they're the definition of inclusivity because I uh, am a member of, uh, of our um, Hispanic ERG, our Women's Empowered ERG, uh, and also um, uh, um, uh, emerging professionals. Again, going back to the mentorship, mentorship. that I so enjoy. I, I don't qualify myself as an emerging professional <laughs> no, anymore. I don't think so. But again, I like to uh, support those individuals. And so, um, um, you know, uh, Black Excellence, uh, the BERG is one uh, very similar to those others where I'm able to join, participate. I'm actually looking forward to uh, the Women's International Day. We've had some amazing speakers and, uh, and, and, and that's, I'm able to actually enjoy and learn and gain from those speakers from an ERG that's maybe outside of uh, uh, one that I could personally identify with. Right. I think that whole idea with diversity and inclusion is actually educating yourself and finding out more and being an ally. And I think resource groups help you with that. Those are so, such key words, Tyra. Yes. So I've noticed a trend throughout your career that you like to volunteer. I do. <laughs> so how, how do you think volunteering has helped you as your career, but also as you as a person? Uh, it's, it, it goes back to the, the, the experiences and, and exposure piece. Um, you know, I, I try to be diverse. Uh, I try to be an ally. And I think understanding uh, underrepresented, uh, uh, those that may be, uh, uh, you know, underprivileged, uh, uh, because, you know, you know, one thing that, that I haven't referenced yet that I, I also serve on the, the cabinet of the African-American partnership of the United okay. way. And so with United way, that's our focus there is around child well-being. So right. very different than very, what I do in, in my other areas, but something I'm also passionate about. Uh, and so, it, it, it really helps to round out an individual's experience. It's, it's things that I try to then uh, impart on my on my two boys uh, that are 12 and 13. Uh, you know, I can actually get them involved in those volunteer experiences because, you know, there there could be one to just say, you know, you know, I want it because daddy can get it. Right. But I want them to understand that there's individuals that have much, much less and they would be happy with what <laughs> dad wants to offer, even though you may want more. Uh, and so, again, I think it really goes back to uh, rounding out an individual and making one whole and making one, one also humble. I think that's awesome. I think it's great that you're getting your children involved so young because I think volunteering is something that you can do throughout your life. Certainly. So as we're kind of coming to the end today, I would love to have some suggestions from you for our soon-to-be grads that are looking at human resources as a career. Certainly. And, and so, you know, HR, again, because of that pivot, that that um, uh, metric that I shared a little bit earlier, 73 percent of folks didn't start there. Don't don't think that, you know, you have to be in a certain uh, degree, come from a certain uh, um, accreditation or, or have a certain background from an education standpoint in order to pivot into human resources. Um, you know, I, 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 there are certain degree courses. Uh, selections that can actually be beneficial. Um, but I would really make sure that you have a, a, a mindset around what is it you want to do and then volunteer in that area. Because that's what I tell folks that are looking to pivot into yeah. HR that may be coming from another. That's how you build that resume. That's what I was speaking to is my district manager was I'm a re, I'm a store manager in a, in a for a paint company. Um, but there are functions 
that I align myself with in order to gain those experiences, to improve my facilitation skills, in order to understand what true onboarding and training and development looks like, what's successful and what's not. And so you can gain those experiences. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I kind of think back to that 70-20-10 rule. That's really how you go about it. 70% of it is uh, experiences. 20% of it is making those connections, that networking and net weaving. Yeah. And then only 10% of it is education. So you really have to position yourself in order to gain that other 90%. Uh, And so I would just encourage you to uh, connect with individuals, identify companies, identify functions, quite honestly. I've given thought to being a specialist uh, in learning and development, in diversity, equity, and inclusion. But when I really took some time and, and looked at what those specializations encompass, it really didn't it wasn't at my core because at my core, I mentioned, I've always thought I was a business partner before I had that title because I took that retail experience of relationship building. People buy from you because they like you. So from an HR standpoint, that's my same approach. I'm not a black and white by the book HR professional. I've, I've worked with and for some folks like that, but I'm the type that I like Troy, so I have this issue. I need to pull him in. It makes it easier for leaders to do that because we also have relationships. Uh, And it's not just I need to talk to Troy because I have a problem. I want to talk to Troy to avoid problems, to mitigate those problems. And that's my approach as a practitioner and from a standpoint of really engaging my client groups and making sure that I I am an asset, not a liability. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I hope everybody understands the importance of volunteering, mentoring, and networking in their careers. Thank you so much, Troy. Thank you, Tyra. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Building Bold Connections. This has been a Coles College and Joel A. Katz Music and Entertainment Business Program production.